Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television. Right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. This episode is brought to you by Heineken Silver. People can be hard to please. You take beer to a party and they're all, it's too watered down, it's too boring, or ugh, I drank that back in college. Thankfully, there's new Heineken Silver, a world-class light beer with only 2.9 carbs and 95 calories and a crisp and refreshing taste to satisfy even your pickiest friend. Finally, Try Heineken Silver today, the world-class light beer with all the taste, no bitter endings. Available at your local Heineken retailer or for delivery at heineken.com slash silver. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's uses only the highest quality of meat sliced right in front of you, piled high with the freshest toppings. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. For me, it's roast beef and provolone with onions, lettuce, tomato, and the juice. You like authentic cheesesteaks? At Jersey Mike's, they're cooked on a real flat top grill. You can hear the sizzle and taste the difference. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Order on the app today or visit jerseymikes.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Pod is Spoken. I'm Riley McAtee. Yeah, Tyson is out this week once again. Now, you might be looking at the calendar, noting that it's the springtime and thinking, Tyson must be on an island in Fiji. We must know what he's doing. But it's actually not the case. And I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is, we don't know where he is. So if you know, please get in touch with him. Tell him we want him back on the pod. We'd love to have him back here. So if you've got his contact information send along that message. And Tyson, if you're listening, come back, man. We need you. Uh, But for this episode today, I am here. And with me to help break down the latest episode, we also have the host of the Bachelor Party podcast. It's Juliette Littman. Hello. I miss Tyson too. I really do. I'd I'd love to know what he thinks about some of this stuff. I know. I'm, I'm hoping that we get him back on eventually as soon as we find him. But we have to do that first. Also, it's p- almost pickleball season, so we need Tyson to come back. At least on the East Coast, I'm sure it's always pickleball season where he is. Is there? Yeah, is there a pickleball season? <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm experiencing like, spring, so it feels so. I feel so alive. That makes sense. Pickleball is probably played when it's nice out. Yeah. Also on today is the winner of Survivor One World and the host of a new show on HGTV. It is Kim Spradlin Wolf. Kim, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm excited to join you guys and feel like an old washed up, you know, has been survivor player and and chat about the episode. So thanks for having me. Oh, that can't be true. I mean, you're the host of a new a whole new television show. <laughs> totally. So fresh, so current. What is your your new show? I'd love to hear about it. Yes. So we have a major home renovation show called Why the Heck Did I Buy This House? I think it's the longest title of a show ever created, but we love it. We're embracing it. Um, it's, uh, it's on HGTV. It premiered two weeks ago. So tonight is our third episode. 
And we, we renovate houses for people who have buyer's remorse. So oh. it's a kind of make you fall back in love with your house. Tonight, I have Chelsea Meissner from my season of Survivor that's like making a guest appearance with me. I watch Southern Charm. So she's also Tuna, Chelsea yeah, from Southern I. Charm. <laughs> more importantly, Chelsea from Southern Charm, apparently. <laughs> well, more, more recently, I would say. I think people yes. who watch Southern Charm might not know Chelsea was on Survivor, actually. Yeah, I think that I, I follow, you know, some of her comments and it's really funny when people realize she's a cool cat. It, she upped the hotness factor of this week of why the heck <laughs> did I buy this house? <laughs> As somebody who's like, I'm a millennial and I live in the Bay Area. So one of the hottest housing markets in the country, and the idea of buying a house, like get, finally getting to that stage and then regretting it is like a nightmare to me. Like I the show is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's ever, you know, it's such a huge investment for people. It's like the the biggest purchase of their lives and there's so much writing on it. And I think it is a lot like relationships where you do see the best in it, you know, for those of us who tend to wear rosy colored lenses, which is definitely me. And you kind of like fall in love with, you know, certain things and you are like, think you can overlook things. And then when you get in and, you know, it becomes the day to day rubber meets the road, there is those things that you compromised on are often the things that drive you absolutely nuts. So it's fun. It was a whole lot of work. I would really rank it right up there with Survivor as far really? as ass kicking. Yes. I mean, we renovated seven houses at one time. So I think that was the thing I didn't realize watching these renovation series is like, it looks like they're doing one house, but we stagger started. So at one point, all seven of them were under construction and we did it in 24 weeks. So wow, I'm wow. nuts. And we're basically in like a building crisis, you know? So yeah, I was going to say, I don't mean to to be too predictable, but were you impacted by the, by the The lumber crisis of 2021? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get anything, but it was cool. It it was kind of a practice of faith because it all came together in just the right timing. And there were several moments where it looked like we weren't going to have a refrigerator or weren't going to have tile and you know, the magic happened. So uh, I, I loved it. It was it was a blast. It was really fun in the beginning, and it got really unfun in the middle. And we were like, "Why the heck are we even doing this?" And now it's fun again watching it. So, well, we also have a great episode of Survivor to mm-hmm. recap today. I, I think that this was just a phenomenal. I guess it's not the merge. We can't call it the merge episode. It's a fake merge, but uh, it's basically the merge. I've been calling yeah. it pre-merge in my head. It's like. It's just like it's like pre it's like pregame for going out. It's like pre-merge before you actually merge. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. The, yeah, the I'm gonna, big pre-merge I'm write that. I'm writing pre-merge down at the top of my paper. <laughs> Fantastic. But this was way like last season they split this up into two episodes and they ended one at the hourglass twist and and kind of had that cliffhanger there and you knew okay, like she's going to break the hourglass of course. And now they just combine it into one double episode and this was so much better for me. Oh yeah. I, I completely agree. Kim, I'm curious, like, what did you think of the hourglass twist? Yeah, so I was just telling Riley before you got on, I didn't watch 41 because oh. we were filming. And so it was chaos. And it was one of the three seasons I think I've missed overall. So when Jeff, like, intro, it's so fun because the people on the season have no idea what's going on. I was like, I also feel like you're speaking <laughs> to me. I'm right there with the cast of 42. I have no idea what happened. I think for me, like I'm just starting to embrace that this is not going to be old school survivor. You know, I feel like for so long, everybody complained for like seven years about all the twists. And now I'm just kind of find myself knowing, you know, it's different. And there's going to be all these twists and turns and kind of just buying it and enjoying it. So 
I thought it was really fun. It was really entertaining. I don't think it could have worked out any better, like for who went where and what happened. I mean, it was absolutely so entertaining to watch. So I'm down for it. Is that how you felt too? Like when you went on Winners at War and they introduced fire tokens for the first time. And that I think was a similar level of like big twist of the game as Survivor Research. Like, I'm just going to roll with this. Or is that more like, oh man, this is impacting my game. Yeah. It's frustrating. No, I was a curmudgeon about the fire tokens. I was in the curmudgeon <laughs> okay. crowd. I just, you know, I think it's different when you're playing. You're like, don't mess with me. I don't, this isn't something I want to figure out right now. Like, I just want to play the game. I know how to play. Um, but as a viewer, it's entertaining. It's so different after you go, you see the twists and turns differently because you think about like, oh my gosh, if that had happened to me, that would have totally screwed me up. Or, you know, it's just so different as a viewer. So if you didn't watch 41, you may or may not know there was a lot of uproar over this twist, which was sort of talked about last season. Riley, I have a question for you because you um, are are deep in, I think, like fan and contestant reaction. What was the anger? And Kim, if you've heard about this, I'd love to hear from you too. Like, what was the anger? And then like, what was your reaction to seeing them just like running it back based on um, the like the rumored rebellion that occurred? Well, so I think that part of it is that it just feels a little cheap, right? Especially with the way they did it last season where they ended it on a cliffhanger. But it's like the person who smashes the hourglass gets immunity at the merge tribal council by smashing it which is like one of the most chaotic tribal councils because no none of the lines have been drawn in the sand yet right so of course they're going to smash it it's really not that dramatic at all and so to build it up as this big cliffhanger moment just didn't work for television and then it also sucks for all those people who competed and won a challenge the way that they're supposed to to then have the rug pulled out from under them and now they're suddenly not safe and they're not safe because what because they won the challenge like they competed and they won like now they they don't get to be safe and everyone else gets to have safety and then the other thing for me is that i just think at this this like pre-merge this not merge thing when you have seven out of 12 people immune and only five aren't and there's three idols floating around and there's extra votes and there's people without votes it's just too likely for somebody to go home who I feel like kind of shouldn't have gone home. Somebody who mm-hmm. built good relationships uh, amongst their individual tribe, you know, with their alliance, but it's like, there's nowhere else to go. They just have to throw someone under the bus and somebody else who is like on the outs who didn't play as good of a game in the first half of, of the season is now safe and they're safe because they lost a challenge, but they got lucky and somebody else smashed an hourglass. That's just like kind of frustrating. I think that's so well said. And I don't know, for me, like when we play, we all, I hate all the twists as a player, you know, it's like, you just like to think that you would go out there and that, and and it does cheapen the whole thing. Right. Because you're like, I've worked so hard. I've done all the right things in this one little thing that they randomly throw out. And it does feel like cheating. It does feel unfair when you're playing that somebody's going to go grab something that we've never seen before. And it's really just hard to fathom. So I think when I say it's like a no holds bar, I almost feel like this has just become the thing. Like you almost have to give up on the fact that there's anything fair about it. And they've completely thrown the whole model out the window. And now it is we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. And everybody just has to be okay with it, you know? But it, it to me, it totally changes the whole dynamic. I mean, you can have somebody playing an absolutely flawless game and it does actually wind back the clock. I mean, it's, you know, it's cheesy the way they, maybe the way they framed it with the hourglass and all that, but it truly is changing the outcome of the game. There's no question. But this one in particular, I just, I mean, we'll get to tribal later, but I, I just think like this episode took so many twists and turns. Like there were so, so much that happened 
that you could have made a case for so many people were going to be going home at that tribal. And I, and then I was surprised that it ended up being Lydia, but I don't find that as cheap as a, um, as a fan, but I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan. I'm just like, okay, this is another thing they're introducing. But when something like that happens, Kim, like, do you ask questions? Like, do you think there was a lot of, a lot of conversation we didn't get to see? Like what happens in those moments when like a big twist is revealed? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much conversation. It's <laughs> that's the wild thing about the whole thing. And y'all know this, but it's like, you know, days and days of conversation. And then they have just carefully plucked out the ones that matter and showed us the three conversations that were actually important for some reason. I'm sure, you know, they tell the storyline for a certain reason, but I mean, agreed. Yeah. You know, there has to have been just, you know, everybody talked about everything. I thought it was so fascinating to watch them all go back to that beach together. And I don't know if they always do this, but I just felt like there was such a clear picture of like all these different groups, you know, and in a way that to me felt more obvious and more clean and easy to follow than in a long time where it's like, you've got Mike and Jonathan sitting together and then you've got, you know, it it just, they bounced around and did such a good job of showing the way that this does really feel where it's like, and now Romeo's in that conversation with that group. And that's so weird because I thought, you know, and it's just fun to follow because that is how it really feels out there. You know, it's just everyone's talking to everyone and which conversations actually mattered. That was something they did really well this episode. And I think it's because it was a two-hour episode. We got a lot of time for that scramble to breathe. And I feel like one of the things that really separates really good seasons of Survivor from not so good seasons is whether you can kind of see clear alliances or not. And in this one, they really did a lot to establish one, this core eight alliance that I think we'll get to, to a little later and kind of break down. And then also the other like little subgroups within that alliance or like other people who are floating like tangential to it and like the people who are on the outs, like Tori and Chanel and why they're on the outs. Uh, so I feel like this is like a very good, like the merge is always like a big inflection point episode. It's always like one of the best episodes. But then it's also a table setting episode too. And I feel like as far as setting up the post-merge and how these different groups are going to kind of vie for power will be really compelling. I am. I thought this also the season needed it. Like I think it's until this week, I was like, eh, this is not as good as 41. But I really loved this episode. And like, I just loved seeing how people gravitated towards each other. Like, I I don't know. I, I The Jonathan and Mike conversation was so funny and just like i don't know i just i i absolutely loved it i love mike like just as a television character and as a human but i thought that was hilarious how do you like how do you actually like have those conversations and pair off like what is that like well i think it was interesting i same i drew you know mike's name and put hearts around it because <laughs> who doesn't love mike right now like everybody has to be loving him i'm sure there's a handful of people that don't love him because he's you know, polarizing to their, you know, narrative that they're working, but like, he's just so, and honestly in the like more intimate, quiet moments with Mike, he's reminding me of how Tony played 40. Like that is more the vibe of Tony sitting around camp. Interestingly enough, you know, let's talk about life. Let's talk about what matters. But like in that conversation where they're all sitting on the the end of the beach and Mike and Jonathan are just talking and you can hear everyone in the background. It's like, that is how a lot of time how things work is like, 
you're sitting with a group of people and then people turn to the person next to them because people are afraid to like actually go off and be having a private conversation. So a lot of your conversations are like conversations within a conversation. And you can tell if like the people around you are actually listening to your conversation or the one next to them or the one next to that one. Um, and it's funny how, like, I feel like some people were better at that. Like even on winners at war, that was one of the first things about Rob is that Rob is like listening to other conversations while he's talking to you. And like, you'll be having a full on engaged conversation. He will turn and say something to someone next to me. That's talking, you know, two people over about something they're talking about. And it's like, Whoa, I had no, I wasn't totally not, I was like listening to you. So I think that's a skill set, you know, out there is like listening to all the little things that are happening. Huh. That's so interesting. Or boring. I don't know. (laughs) No, it's interesting. (laughs) I find that really interesting. I hadn't like thought about that being a skill that you need on Survivor. And then the other kind of conversation we saw in this episode was the one where everyone's serving a group standing around and they're talking strategy. And then somebody else walks up and they're like, oh, sure. And they wave them over. And it's like, yeah, we're just talking about like spearfishing. And it's super awkward. That was two of these in this episode. Both with Chanel and both so awkward. Horrible. I wrote down for Chanel so many times. They yeah. use the same excuse of there too. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to get that spearfish again. It's like, how often do you think she's going to buy that? How much spearfishing are you doing? And they said they weren't going to do it. They were like, we have to keep talking. We have to keep talking. And yet it was just too awkward. Everyone had to break the tension and like peel off. I felt really bad for her. That was upsetting. Same. That made me, I hoped in that moment that that was like, they brilliantly edited that to make it look that bad and that it didn't actually feel that bad for her in real life because that was painful to watch. I know. And she seems like, great actually like she's playing yes. hard but she seems like a pretty like yeah nice person. normal person agreed yeah totally i'm i'm just curious like one other kind of like meta question how do you feel about like the jeff walking and talking into the camera it's very like um 2005 drama on primetime television but like well i'm nervous because you guys have all been hanging out and talking and maybe y'all all hate it and this is gonna be super dorky if i say i like it no i don't think there's a right answer i'm ge- i'm genuinely curious because it's just it's just so different and he started doing it last season mm-hmm. so i think like riley and i have seen it okay. a few times it's just i find it like jarring i don't like like it or dislike it i thought it was particularly interesting this week because there was this rumored like cast rebellion when they did the twist last time like the cast was really mad about the term like the change history or whatever so I thought that was kind of pointed and I just thought it was interesting but having not seen that I was curious how it struck you yeah I I guess it's because I like Jeff but I liked it I think it's kind of fun and quirky but though it's interesting about the cast rebellion piece because I didn't know that but we had that happen on our season you know about multiple things so you know I just winners at war Yeah. Winners at war. I think there was a moment like when Natalie came back in with an idol and, you know, they were all just like, we're not going to play if this is how this is going to go. So I think it's just, you know, there's these moments again, it's like as a player, you know, it's easy for us to go, well, whatever, but it's like when you're playing for a million or $2 million and you're right, you know, you're right there. I mean, these guys are not that far out. Right. I mean, that was the other thing that struck me. I think I knew that, you know, the day has changed. I heard that, but I think I didn't really process it until I saw that they merged on day 12. And then you're like, whoa. I mean, a base pre-merged, sorry. They pre-merged on day <laughs> right, 12. Right. Oh, sorry, sorry, Julia. Um, that's really early. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. What, what day did you merge an old Survivor? 
Well, I texted Sophie because she has the calendar oh, right. um, that she saved. And we merged on day 19, which, wow. you know, it's a week difference, but right. it's a big deal out there. Yeah. I think percentage wise, it's the same though, right? Like 12 out of mm-hmm. 26 is almost the same as 19 out of 39. I have no idea what you just said, but it sounded like math. Riley? <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's around the same, right? Less than yeah. halfway through. So the, the bulk half, yeah. of the game happens in the in the merged portion. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's uses only the highest quality of meat sliced right in front of you, piled high with the freshest toppings. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. For me, it's roast beef and provolone with onions, lettuce, tomato, and the juice. You like authentic cheesesteaks? At Jersey Mike's, they're cooked on a real flat top grill. You can hear the sizzle and taste the difference. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Order on the app today or visit jerseymikes.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I mean, I just feel before we go any further, we have to address Jonathan's diet. I mean, it was just... 18 eggs. God. (laughs) Not that's not heart healthy. I know. Oh that. my god! Eighteen was it? Eighteen eggs, nine pieces of cheese, and grits. Like, yeah, and grits. incredible. Grits as a starter. Yeah. That was that was like in a, in a wild episode. That was like such a standout moment. I I loved it. It was so so funny. I'm so like just like thrown by him. And just in general, I'm sure everybody feels this way, but there's just, it's just such an incredible thing to watch. I don't, you know, I, I think Ben Dregan is a little bit like that, but I feel like this is like next level and it's just wild. It's so inequitable with everyone else. It's like crazy. Can you imagine if you roll up to that challenge, you're one of the contestants, you see this giant boulder half buried in the sand and they're like, 
We're going to draw rocks for your teammates. How badly you want Jonathan to be your teammate at that point. That is exactly what I was thinking. If you draw the same color as Jonathan, you've won, period. It has nothing else matters at that point. And I I really remember feeling that way about Ben. Like Ben was that way on our, on winners at war. And we had some, you know, pretty decent athletes out there. But like, if you're on Ben's team, you have like a 90% chance of winning because he just like (laughs) throws people. And then Jonathan is like even crazier. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I think one thing that's really interesting about him was seeing Lindsay be like, well, he's really bad at puzzles. And also seeing his temper when he um, failed in the immunity challenge, I thought was really interesting too. But he's just like complex because not only is he so strong, but he also had a strategy. Like he was like, let's build a ramp. Like he like very quickly was like, here's the physics of how we get the ball out of the pit. So he, I think he, I mean, he obviously has more than just one Achilles heel, but He's a complex dude, as Mike noted. He's not just a big Goliath. Golden boy, as they kept saying. <laughs> yeah, he's a superhero. I, th- I definitely think they're they're laying the seeds for something, too, with continually showing how he gets frustrated in the challenges. But he won't. there won't be a lot of team challenges from here on out. It, or at least there'll be reward challenges where they're going to put people on the teams. But the challenges that matter are all going to be individual. I predict he flips out on someone. Yeah, I think so. Just watching these, you know, watching people focus on restraint. Like, I feel like they kind of have made a theme of it. Maybe it's every season. I haven't noticed it, but like Romeo, you know, Jonathan, it kind of shows these people saying like, normally I would just absolutely flip out. And I remember feeling that way a lot on one world, you know, it's like we had Tarzan, there was cat, there was, you know, there were all these people that were like doing all these crazy things. And I do feel like one of the main things you need to win this game is restraint, like being able Mm -hmm. to like walk away and not have that moment. Cause I do think it's really hard to come back from those things. So the fact that he's so on edge that he's like already, you know, mad and talking about that, it wouldn't surprise me if he would have a moment where he might freak out. But I feel like there's kind of this whole group of like workhorse people like Lindsay, Mike, uh, Jonathan, Roxroy that are maybe a little bit simpler in their strategy. But I wonder if, you know, it almost seems like there's enough of them like Drea if they could pull in enough people, you might get like an old school kind of, you know, group to the end. That's not like highly strategic, like Hi and Omar. And, you know, so that'll be kind of fascinating to watch those two things clash or if they're all, you know, mingled, who knows, but it's interesting. My opinion of everyone changed this week. Yeah. Do y'all have a winner pick? We'll get to it at the end. Save it. <laughs> okay. I gave mine to Rob Sestrinino like off the cuff. I didn't really prepare for it, but I'm feeling really good about it now. I got excited this week. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited to hear who it is. Me too. Speaking of restraint, though, I felt really good about Marianne this episode because I feel like until now she's kind of been a bit of like comic relief, like bubbly personality. And I did not think that she had it in her to with an idol in her pocket. I believe she has an extra vote as well. And knowing that she's like the primary target this week, but they're trying to shift it, I wouldn't have expected her to be able to like play it cool and not freak out. And then she totally did. And I thought she was going to play her idol too. And then she read the room right and didn't. I was like more excited to see who everyone voted for this time than really any other time because I was so confused by by the vote. I think that's a, a really good point about her, Riley. She's like finding a way to like be herself while also playing the game. 
so much happened, like in between the time where everyone meets to the actual vote. I was just like so confused by some people's choices. It was like ever shifting and evolving super quickly. I was like drawing circles and then drawing lines like, okay, it's going to be Jonathan or Marianne. No, it's going to be Lydia or Marianne. Like it just seemed like very quickly that target was moving very fast. But I I agree. I think she's doing a good job. Clearly she has some game knowledge and knows what she's doing enough that she was able to like talk herself into a state of calm, which is really impressive because I know what it feels like to know that people are saying your name and walk into a tribal council and, you know, not do anything about it. And that's, that takes a lot of balls. So. She's like a real gamer too. Like I liked her strategy of being like, I'll just listen to everyone's plans. I won't really present any of my own. And I think that that works for her because a lot of people probably aren't expecting her to have like this big grand strategy. Whereas if I was like walking on the beach talking with Hi, and if I'm like telling him what my plan is and he just doesn't really say anything about his plan, I'd be like, oh, he's holding back. Like there's there's something wrong there. So Marianne's kind of like using the way that she comes across as a way to not divulge information to people, which is something that we've talked about on this podcast before. But Kim, I'd be curious for your perspective on this. Nobody can keep their mouth shut anymore on Survivor. It's like somebody gets an advantage and then everyone just knows about it now. And part of that's because they do, you know, the the immunity idols with these crazy phrases and stuff. Right. Some of it's like they get an extra vote and they tell one person and then everybody knows. And it's like, man, just no one can can keep a plan to themselves. I think for me, it's like interesting to go like with Survivor One World. I found an idol. I only told Chelsea. No one ever knew about it until the very end. And I took it home with me. Survivor Winners at War, I found an idol. I had to share it with Sophie, who shared it with Yule, who shared it with Nick, who shared it with Michelle. And before I knew it, I got to the merge and half the people knew anyway. So I was like, and and I should probably just go to tell Denise and Jeremy, probably, you know, closer with me than all the people that know about it. So now everybody knows about it. So I do think the way they're doing this does force people into situations that maybe they wouldn't normally take. But I, I think that only works in like half of these situations. Like a lot of times it is people you know, freely giving information. And I do think it's one of the biggest mistakes people make. It's kind of like, you know, it's like hot in their pocket and they can't stand it. And they're like, freak out and just tell people. So you got to take your idol like home home. Yeah, I have it aimed on my wall. Yeah, oh, that's, awesome. that's an awesome souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's in my kids room in a gallery wall floating. Oh, yeah. that's really cute. I do think going forward, like people will know the questions to ask. So they'll have to change some of the way these advantages work because mm-hmm. it'll just, you know, you won't get a Tory badgering Roxroy to like find out about the journey or whatever. So that was really a funny scene. <laughs> she was relentless. She is relentless. She's good TV. We should get into all these people. But before that, I just sorry. One other thing I have to get off my chest. Applebee's. The Applebee's integration was outrageous. <laughs> Jeff read the Applebee's menu on this episode of Survivor. He was like, and for your drink. And it was like, what? Shark drinks or something like that? I don't even know. And they were like so excited. I thought they were going to like play that country song, you know, fancy like. That's the only. Oh, like Applebee's. from the commercial? <laughs> yeah. They probably. Julia, you've n- I've you've never, had, never it. had Applebee's? No. Never. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm barely American. Jervis posted last week and he was like, if I could time travel, there's only one place I'd want to go and it's Applebee's in like the ni- late 1990s. <laughs> you know, oh, it's really wow. amazing. It was a thing. Did he get sponsored to post that? <laughs> Maybe so. There's no telling. It sounds like they're making a play for the survivor community. Seriously. That was. 
outrageous. Riley and I were watching basically simultaneously, <laughs> and I was like, Riley, please contact me when you get in eight minutes to this show. Like, I, I was, <laughs> I was dying. It was so brazen. It reminded me of like a few of many years ago at this point where they had like the herbal essences integration, and it was like, yes, and you'll win that. a shower with herbal essences shampoo. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be Olive Garden next season because they've done Outback. Now they've done Applebee's. I feel like Olive Garden is next and they have the never ending, you know, breadsticks. So Right. That's true. Outback is the good one. I feel like of that group uh, of like this group of like well-known mainstream kind of sit down American restaurants. If I'm on Survivor, I'm really fingers crossed for Outback. They've done Outback. They did I know, Outback, but right? it, okay. they can bring it back. They've done yeah. Applebee's okay. too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they have? They've already done Applebee's? I don't remember yeah, they, that. They did Applebee's a few years ago for sure okay. because I remember one of the contestants was just going crazy for it. I, I have a lot of questions about how they get Applebee's to Applebee's to Fiji. Like, how do they get it to that island? Like, I, I mean, I know dry ice is amazing, but like, do they bring an Applebee's chef? Like, I, I just would love to know more about that. It was outrageous. Surely they would provide that info. That's true. Applebee's wants us to know how they get to Let Fiji. me tweet. I'll tweet Jeff right now and ask him. <laughs> Please yeah. do. That would be I'm great. I'm going to. I'm doing it. What else? I think one of the things I found very interesting, I felt like they pulled this whole theme of like being your true self on Survivor through this entire episode of like being authentic. And I, yeah. I think that triggered for me because... Of course, that would be super dreamy to get to go out there and be your true self and do well. I don't feel like that's at all an option to go out there and be your true self and win. Like, I feel like for me, like in one world, I had to be so careful about everything I did, everything I said. It was the opposite of like feeling free and authentic, you know? And so that's, that was just fascinating to me. I was like, do these, are these people genuinely just out there, like letting it all hang out and being their true selves? Or are they just saying that? Is that part of their strategy that like, of course I'd, I would have said the same thing. Like, yes, I'm being my true self. <laughs> I'm very quiet. Um, and I don't have a lot of opinions. I, d- I don't know. I, I thought that was fascinating. You know, How much do you think there's like a difference between that in like the game versus that? Like personally, like, can you be your true self on survivor in terms of like, Oh, like we saw Romeo being like, I'm LGBTQ. I can actually talk about that freely and openly when normally I haven't been able to versus the game of obviously you have to play close to the vest with certain information, your alliances, what advantages are out there. Or for you, are those things like always somewhat intertwined too? I think for me, the only thing that was honest was like my interest in people and being relational and getting to know people and asking questions when I had the time to do that. But as far as like the way I presented you know, I did not feel a freedom to do that. You know, I think I felt like I needed to be super careful. I was very quiet. I didn't want to be like the center of attention. I didn't tell a lot of stories, you know, it was just, I tried to be, you know, like a, just a quieter, minimalized version of myself. Cause I feel like a lot of times the people that come out and have these like huge personalities, you know, everybody's like, Oh, they're, you know, everybody's going to want them to win. So I think that was the way, like for me with one world, People are always like, why did they let her go? How did they not know that she was going to win? And I think it's because I wasn't playing this huge character, huge role. Like, I think everybody else felt like they were, you know, the star of the show for the season in their own minds. And I was kind of a backup singer. And so I think, anyway, I just, I, I thought that was highly fascinating to think that there's people out there that are being super authentic. But I know what you're saying. Yes, in personal conversation, of course, you can connect on a personal level. Yes, maybe more that's what they mean. 
I just find that to be incredibly difficult. I think that was something for me that I felt super conflicted about and have talked to other winners who felt like they went home and felt like bad people. I feel like uh, the way you're describing how you played in one world is similar to how Erica, who won last season, played. You, you should watch season 41 because I think it would be really interesting for you just because she played a she was like, I'm going to play an under the radar game and then kind of at the last yeah. second boost myself over the top and then she, and she was able to do that. Cool. I think one thing I was also just going to add is I think there's a different type of person that the A, they're casting for and B is going on the show now, whereas people who are who are looking for the experience to be something different than maybe people who hadn't watched it, hadn't grown up on the show, basically. And so I think that like certain people come on, come on the show, like looking for like a a pivot point in their life, essentially. Whereas it's less of like a, it's, it's like so many of these people, like Daniel was saying it last week, are just like, seem to be so happy to have the experience that the money almost seems like secondary. It's like they want to win because they want to stay in the game not necessarily because they're motivated by like a million dollars or, or whatever. So I think that's like, that's also part of it. Plus I think that it seems like survivor has made an effort to be much more inclusive with its casting. And as a result has led to like stories that we just weren't getting previously. Mm -hmm. No, that's a really good point. I think that's true. Should we get into the challenges, Riley? Yeah, we can get into the, the challenges. So I think we, we kind of already talked about the first one a bit, which was just, Jonathan throwing contestants two at a time over the boulder and over the wall. And Drea not getting up the boulder, which was really incredible to watch as that well. That was so upsetting. I That made me love Mike. I was like, wow, he's really like a, a team guy in that moment. And one of my questions was, how did he not dislocate his arm? Like when they were like, when he was just like using his entire body, like he was like Elastigirl in The Incredibles. I was just like, how was he even able to do that? It was kind of wild, but... I also wrote in my notes, poor Drea with a sad face. <laughs> Drea, Drea is very athletic. I mean, that is incredibly impressive what she did. I, I don't think many women could could run up the side of that boulder and, and jump up the side. I mean, it was fascinating that they left her to the end, you know, which I mean, I get she's probably one of the more athletic people on the team. But that was that was something to see. It was tough to watch. I, I was I was hoping they'd make a comeback. I was just glad they all got to the top of the platform like that seemed yeah. like a. That seemed like it was at risk for a while. Yeah. You always hope the puzzle will be close. I did enjoy that Jeff was continuing to read the Applebee's uh, menu during the puzzle. (laughs) Like during the climactic moment of this challenge, he was talking, he was like the fish bowl, the Western cheeseburger. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I wonder if you, if like they had um, a certain number of times they had to mention things or that's just sort of like Jeff riffing, probably both. For sure. They had a certain number of times they had to mention it for sure. (laughs) I I really loved it. I also really liked Roxroy taking in Jonathan's performance. He was like so blown away. I was like, I guess he was, didn't have the chance to pay attention when he was actually competing himself. But his commentary was was all of us watching Jonathan, and he was so impressed. I loved it. Agreed. That made me feel more normal that yeah. he was so excited because that's how I feel during every challenge. Like I pause it to Brian. I'm like, this guy. Like I kind of want to look up how tall he is, but I'm not going to Google it. But is he giant or like he's just like a he's proportionate, but he's huge. You know, it's fascinating. Back to that. I'm sure he's pretty tall. Yeah, uh, I'm going to look it up. So then our second challenge is. This the one where they've got to balance this platform using a rope and stack the letters that spell immunity on it. I always really like this challenge. And Kim, have you ever done this challenge? I did. I did it 
I hate it. I did it in Winners at War. And there's just no margin for error. Yeah, it was super difficult. I got like going early on, got up to like my second M and then I dropped it. And I feel like once you drop, it's really, I mean, I know people have come back and won it in the past, but it's one of those challenges that I think when you're doing well, your confidence is really high and you get cleaner and sharper and less shaky and less concerned. And so you're able to kind of like manage the whole thing. Um, I think once you drop, it's like, and you get flustered, it's really hard to come back from it because it's just the smallest thing. I mean, there's absolutely no room to screw it up. So right. I, I hated doing the challenge myself because I'm not a detail oriented person. So for me, it was like, you know, there's a lot going on. I think that's what makes it good TV though, is that it's like, yeah. as you get higher up, you're more likely to fall. So it's not you don't end up in this situation where it's like, well, this person's just ahead. They're probably going to win. Like we're good. It, it's like, no, they could drop at any time and literally just go right back to last place. Yeah, absolutely. It is very fun to watch. And I think that's the one that Ben spelled uh, incorrectly, right? And he had an upside down letter. Yeah. yeah he, he talked about that a lot on Winners at War. And so I don't remember it, but <laughs> that makes that makes me laugh every time they go to like get it set up backwards, you know? Yeah, he had an upside down letter. And I noticed in this one, Tori, the two eyes that she had in immunity were not the same way. One of them was like upside down compared to the other. And I think Mm -hmm. that they let it go if it's a letter that basically if it's upside down, the difference won't matter. Whereas if she had had like an M upside down like that, they can't can't allow or a U or something like that. Interesting. Um, And then I don't know about you two, but I was really rooting against Tori to win this challenge, even though it would have made for a less interesting uh scramble after the challenge but i i find her she's like a good kind of villain on this season and i was just instinctively rooting against her i am also not a fan of tori she is <laughs> really rough she is really impetuous and immature um but i wish her the best i'm sure she'll grow in life <laughs> and it's a reality show like we know she's portrayed one way on the show she might, she might be a different completely different when she's not starving on an island I feel like I should come in and be like, I really like Tori, but I also am not rooting for Tori. <laughs> not in a mean way. I, I know how the edits work. And again, I know, I think it's so helpful to watch uh, back and you kind of see like, oh, I'm a little rough around the edges in this area. Like, I agree. She'll probably have some of those moments, but um, yeah, she's just, she's easy to want to vote, you know, to kind of want to root against, but it, it made it so fun that she won. Like when I was, this episode was just so satisfying in the sense that like everything, you know, like Roxway going, her not wanting him to, to, you know, prevail. And then you're like, yes, she got hers. You know, he smashed the glass and then she won the thing. And it was just such a, like a, a back and forth of emotion. And she, she felt like too. She was like, I hate you Roxroy. Yeah. that she's so mad. And then she wins the challenge. She's like, thank you. <laughs> What a nut. I was going to say also about Tori's game is that the pre-merge feast when she was trying to throw herself out there as this number who's going to flip. I thought she played it way too hard and was basically just advertising like I am unreliable and untrustworthy. It's like you're going to have a chance to talk to these people and to build some trust with them and flip. You don't need to like be a flashing billboard that's like I will stab the people I've worked with for the first two weeks in the back at a moment's notice. And I felt like just it seemed like everybody saw through that and nobody once they got to the scramble no one was really like trusting her as much absolutely i feel like um this whole like i'm going to make a big move i'm going to be a big personality i'm going to do the big things i think sometimes gets misinterpreted for people where they think like that's a big move just being like i hate all the people i was just 
playing with and and not recognizing that that's going to read as super disloyal and not even wise. Like even if they're happy that she doesn't want to work with them to present it in front of the group in that way, in that setting just speaks volumes to like, you know, how she's going to play. Nobody's going to want to do that. Right. Do you think the do you think the fishbowl, the Applebee's fishbowl had any impact on that? Like mm. the shark the, the shark bite? The shark bowl, is that what it's called? <laughs> <Shark>. uh, <laughs> Maybe Jeff didn't read the menu enough times. It looked delicious. Looked delicious. I'm sure it did. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but she probably was just pretty extra as a result. So I I thought that um there was gonna be foreshadowing around that time with Chanel. I think it was Chanel who who dropped some rice, like messed as she was cooking it. And I thought that was like gonna come back to uh to bite her, but didn't. Mm-hmm. I thought that was gonna be I an noticed issue. that. What did you so then like can we just talk through how the the voting shifted and like the different alliances and all that cuz like as I was watching I was like I'm going to need Riley to to make sure that I haven't missed anything here cuz it was it was a lot and it was very fun to watch. So here's what I think happened is that this this alliance of 8 formed and I think that their target was Marianne and that Jonathan was actually never in that much danger on this episode. And the reason why is because when Omar decides that he wants to to shift the vote onto Lydia, who is part of the eight, the way he does it is he was going around and telling people, uh, oh, I had this conversation with Lydia, and she said that she can consider voting Jonathan. And then he embellishes on that, and he's this is like the lie that he kind of wraps in with the truth, where he's like, and she was talking about how we're going to have to pick people off from this majority alliance sooner or later. It better be like strong people. And so she's already kind of what he is saying to other people is that she's already super wishy-washy on this alliance of eight. And it's so it's not that Lydia wanted to go after Marianne that gets her in trouble. It's that she wants to go after Jonathan that gets people to flip on her. So I think that the target was Marianne and Omer just wasn't going to have it. And then he masterfully is able to shift the votes and actually get mm-hmm. out one of the people who was in their eight person alliance. I, so it, yes, same. And I, like I wrote down, who are the eight? I couldn't figure out who they were for the longest time. Then I realized it was Omar. Um, like he was the last slot I filled in, but I, I thought this was almost like the difference between the way Jonathan was playing the game and the way Omar was playing the game. Cause I don't feel like that first conversation and who knows if it really was, but the conversation that they saw about the eight Jonathan was there, but Omar wasn't. And Jonathan was really willing to say, like, if we had to let someone go, it would be Marianne, right? And he was like, I don't really want to vote off Marianne. But if I had to sacrifice someone, I'd throw Marianne's name in the hat. And then Omar was kind of like, well, we don't want to just throw one of our numbers away. You know, she believes that we're her alliance. So I felt like that was almost like a course correction by Omar, realizing that they were in power and that it didn't need to be Marianne. It could be, you know, somebody from one of the other two tribes. And so, like, who were the options? And and then he did masterfully kind of work that in a beautiful way. So it was impressive. So can we go over the eight? It's Omer. Yep. It's so Omer, Jonathan, and Lindsay. Hi, Lydia, and Mike. So Omer, Jonathan, and Lindsay are from the Taku tribe, the Orange tribe. Hi, Lydia, and Mike are from the Vati tribe, the, the Green tribe. And then Drea and Roxroy are from Ika, which was the Blue tribe. So, it, it, which is interesting because all of these tribes merged with four players each, but you get a 3-3-2 split on this majority alliance where the Ika are like basically having have two of their people on the outside. 
which leaves Romeo, Tori, Chanel, Marianne, and Lydia. But Lydia was kind of a no, both, right? Yeah, like, Lydia, no, Lydia, Lydia was, was in. in. Yeah, Lydia was in. So it's really Chanel, Marianne, Tori, and Romeo. And it feels like of those, it's really Chanel and Tori that are on the bottom. Right. And so why did Rox vote for Lindsay? Yeah. Great question. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's because they didn't let him in on the vote. Wow, that is interesting. Because I, I couldn't figure it out. And then I think we need to talk about High. So High has really been in power position. He's like, I'm loyal as fuck. Like, I, I will be completely loyal. He voted for Lydia. And then he's like, bye, Lids, at the end. I'm just like, she's going to be pissed when she realizes he was one of them. Why do you think he flipped? I feel like Kai is really there to play and saw that like the numbers weren't going his way. I just feel like it clearly in the middle of that, Jonathan, Lindsay, Mike, Rock, straight, like they were all going that direction. And I think there are these moments. I felt this way about Kat in my season of One World. Like there just comes this moment where you're like, I don't want to let this person go. This doesn't seem best for my game. But like if I take make a stink about this right now, like it's going to be at my own expense. And so I felt like I just decided like, this is the time I have to make this, you know, I have to make this cut or it's going to get ugly. And I clearly am in a majority alliance at the merge. The, the other person who flipped is Mike who began this episode. He was like, I'll take a bullet for Lydia. And then <laughs> at the end of the episode, he's writing her name down. Well, Riley, he Never couldn't mind. write down Jonathan, obviously he loves Jonathan. So that was out of the question. Yeah, the connection he made with Jonathan in like six hours was stronger than I'll take a bullet for Lydia. <laughs> for Lydia. Except for Jonathan and, and Mike. Like Mar- Marianne and Lydia were like, we're really vibing. Would definitely vote for like never going to vote for each other. And then there was another pair where they like immediately just like abandoned each other, even though they, mm-hmm. they hit it off on the first pre-merge day. I can't remember who it was, but who are the two votes for Jonathan? Chanel and Tori? Yep. And I think that that is this. So this is part of my theory that Jonathan was never in danger. That majority alliance, they pitched the easiest vote to Chanel and Tori, which is like, hey, yeah, of course, we're going to get rid of Jonathan because he doesn't have immunity and maybe he'll go on a run. It's just the easiest pitch to make to the people that you're keeping in the dark anyways. Gotcha. And then did anyone vote for Chanel? Because it was six for Lydia, one for Lindsay, two for Jonathan. Was that and it? Two for Marianne. And two for Marianne, which were right. Romeo and Lydia. L- Lydia's kind of self-explanatory. She votes for Marianne, which was had had been the plan A until it shifted. Mm-hmm. And then Romeo, I guess, is he's he wasn't part of like the Alliance of Eight, which I was actually kind of confused by because it felt like Same. he was tight with some of those people. Um, so I don't know how he ended up on Marianne. He was also the one pushing Jonathan too, and he doesn't even end up voting Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I feel like once the eight established, whether this happened chronologically, then it shows Romeo pushing Jonathan really hard to that group where clearly some of them had already like settled in on the eight. And so that's just like a, I think that's like a clear way that he probably alienated himself from the group, you know? Kim, I'm curious what you think about this. I think eight obviously makes sense right now, but eight is way too big. Like when, when do they start? splintering off like i actually think that for the people who are not in the eight they're in a great position because this eight cannot sustain for more than a week the way the game is now immediately if not already like there's already splinters within the eight there's already people in the eight that are thinking about the people that are not a part of the eight and how they're going to immediately go back and pull them and recreate this other group i think that's just 
you know, again, I think that's the way that, that the game works. Now, I do think there is a group of people that I like, I, I, I like in this season in particular of like rocks, Mike, Jonathan, Lindsay, Drea, that might stay in an alliance. I think it'll be really interesting to watch. I know that doesn't hardly ever happen anymore, but I feel like those are those kind of people, you know, that kind of like this idea of like, let's get with a solid five and go to the end. So it'll be fascinating. I hope there's too many advantages. There's too many advantages out there. There's a lot to keep track. of. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) This is why they need to go. I I feel like they need to go to two hour episodes permanently uh, because we would just uh, (laughs) we would just always get a lot of like breathing room like this for the strategy. And also we wouldn't have to like have all these flashbacks. Like remember the ambulance? It's like they'd probably come up a little more often if we had two hour episodes. As a Bachelor recapper, which is two hours every week, I can tell you, you don't want that. It's too much. It Here's is- the thing. More happens in Survivor than The Bachelor, though. I <laughs> 90 minutes. That. 90 minutes, maybe. All right. But the challenge is now 90 minutes. And that, so it's like an hour without commercials. That's actually very good. That's, that, that's what Survivor should do. But two hours, no. It's too much. It's a movie. Okay. Two hours is a All movie. Right. We can <laughs> compromise on 90 minutes. That that works. I'm good with whatever, guys. I'm not okay. going to take Okay. That. Thanks, Cam. both great ideas. <laughs> Should we get, get into our superlatives? Uh, yeah, I think it's time for superlatives. We recap the votes. Is there anything else we were missing from Tribal Council or anything else? I'm excited to hear p- picks for superlatives. There's so much to choose from this week of of the of the category. So I feel like there's. I'm excited for everyone's reveal, and it's definitely less straightforward than usual. Okay, so let's start with what was the best move of the episode. This is you know most impressive move. Uh, which actually I feel like there was just a ton of good gameplay in this episode. Yeah, totally. Juliet, do you got one? I mean, I think Omer flipping, not having a vote into being the most influential person is pretty masterful. And I am, I was blown away by it. And I was just like, this dude's really smart. Same. Do I have to pick my own? No. <laughs> no, yeah, you can we can all have the same consensus. That I also is have hands Omer. down for me the most impressive thing about the episode. It was pretty pretty wild to watch and like so well done. And you can just imagine him at final tribal being like, I changed the game when I did this. I didn't have a vote and I did blah blah blah. It's like it's like restraint until it matters. And I feel like he had restraint until it mattered, and then he did something about it and he did it well. And he couched it as like preserving the alliance too. Like yeah. it was just such a masterful way. Is there anything else in content in contention? Uh, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of impressive gameplay where I, you know, we talked about Marianne, and I think just in general the way that this alliance formed and is, and is already like targeting people on the bottom is good for all of those players. But I feel like what Omar did was like really impressive, and I totally forgot they didn't even have a vote. Yeah, it's even better. And that's why he started off and like, I'm just gonna listen. Um, I would just say number two, like strategist this week, I think is Drea. Drea was clearly a driving force behind like finding this group of eight. And while I also think she was the the uh depicted maybe not tr- factually, but depicted to be the cruelest to um Chanel when she came from the conversations. I I would I I like what I'm seeing from Drea. I like her a lot. I also boxed Drea as like a standout for me for the episode. Like initially before I knew her, like, hi, Drea, Omar, I think all came in really strong as far as like just working the relationships, like trying to pull things together and not sitting back, but doing it in a way that wasn't so abrasive, but it was obvious. Um, so 
but I think high feels amped, you know, like I think with high, there's just this thing about him that you would read on him that he's like trying to do something where I feel like Omar has that like winner's personality of like, he's just not, he's soft about it and it just works. So on the topic of high, I was really bummed. We didn't hear the conclusion of the Tinder story. It just, it like, he like started. (laughs) (laughs) I think it worked out. We didn't get all the details. I wanted that. All right, let's flip it and do the worst move of the episode. Either you two have picks. I think it's got to be Tori being pissed yeah. about about uh, Rox's decision. She really showed herself. When Mike kind of leaned over to Omer, I believe, and was just like, she's burying herself. Uh, it's just so clear that everybody sees right through Tori. Yeah, she's in a bad spot. Yeah, such a bad feeling. And I think she has, does she know? Do you guys think she knows she's in such a bad spot? Do you think she knows she's so out? You know? No, I think she's not self-aware. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for a therapist. and self- Or maybe self- it's not worse. Maybe maybe she is bliss. now because she'll realize she voted for Jonathan and that wasn't even the plan A or plan B. <laughs> I tell you what, there is nothing more telling than like walking into a tribal council thinking you know what's going to happen and then walking out realizing that you had absolutely no idea what was going to happen and you have no idea who voted where. Like I, I spent my entire first season, I knew every single vote at every single tribal council. There was not one vote that ever surprised me the entire season. And Winners at War was like a completely different experience. So I just know like that is a very clarifying moment where you're like, okay, I'm not only like surprised by two votes, I'm surprised by all the votes. And that has to be, you know, if she thinks she's in good standing for sure, this has to be like a come to Jesus for her. Do you feel like that's something like if you had had a tribal council like that in one world, not to get us off topic, but if you had, like, would you have been more prepared for Winners at War because you didn't Absolutely. Absolutely. That did not work in my advantage that I did not know what it was like to scramble, to be on the bottom, to feel the feels and have to cope with it. Like that was all new for me, which people told me that going in and it was for sure true. I also want to say my worst move is Tori, but it's a little, it, it was one specific moment in this episode, which is that during the whole Omar versus high scramble, where they're shifting the votes on the Lydia, there's this moment. I don't know if you guys caught this where Tori just turns to Jonathan and she says, I want to win more individual immunities and you would stand in my way. And then she goes on to vote for Jonathan <laughs> in that tribal council and Jonathan doesn't go home. It's like, that. Tori, what are you doing? I miss yeah. that. What a dummy. I saw it. I was like, is she joking? Is she like have a dry sense of humor? Were they <laughs> chatting about it? And we just caught this one clip. It was super interesting. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. It is. Who knows? All right. Let's do favorite moment now. So this is like the most entertaining moment of the episode. Mine wasn't the most entertaining, but I really like seeing rocks um, in, in exile. I felt like hearing about his problem with his vision and seeing him just like really embrace the moment and not feel bad for himself in any way or like lament his plight, but just sort of like taking it for what it was. I found to be like really encouraging and sweet and made me, made me really like him. Um, and I, I just was like also like glad that he was enjoying himself, honestly, like instead of it being like a miserable experience. So I, that was kind of my favorite moment of the episode closely followed by Jonathan revealing his diet. Juliet, we're on like the completely same wavelengths right now, because this is also my pick. It is specifically for when rocks was like t- talking to nobody 
out there and being like, this is why you gather more firewood than you need. This is how you stick like the pointy end of the stick into the sand so you can break the other <laughs> oh, stick Oh, nature's courting. <laughs> and it's like, he just can't help himself. Even when there's no one around, like these camera people are not going to talk back to him. They don't care about how to collect firewood. He still has to be like, I'm a teacher. I'm going to like be a leader in this moment. That's funny. That's really funny. Yeah, he was like, ah, oh, nature's cord. You know, he's <laughs> yep. like stripping the leaves off of that. Uh, mine was different, but it's also with Rocks on Exile. I don't know if it's because I missed 41 and I really didn't know if he was going to do it. Like, it seemed so obvious, of course. Um, but they did a good job, I thought, in edit of like making it seem like he was genuinely in conflict. And I was literally like, do it, clearly do it, Rocks. <laughs> you know, like yelling at my TV. I said it three times. I was like, just do it, just do it. It's not, there's no decision to be made. So when he did it, I was like, yes, because I wanted, again, I wanted Tori to have to do the immunity challenge. <laughs> that was a big motivator for me. <laughs> Sorry, Tori. Love you, girl. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do our front runners to win now. I think I said hi last week. I don't remember. Riley, did I say hi? I I know I said hi. I think I'm I not did too. Him this week, but the week before with Sophie, I said Omar with Sophie two weeks ago. Uh, I said Omar with with Rob two weeks ago, and I didn't really yeah. know. And then he messaged me and told me that my animal was a secretary bird, which is super ugly. So I don't know if I should change my vote, but I'm going to stick with it since <laughs> he did so well this week. I'm a big fan of his. I like Omar, but I'm going to say Mike. I think that he's he's got a really good feel for things. And kind of like we were saying earlier, I think there's like enough old school players that you could kind of see an old school type player winning this season. I'd be happy with that. And so likable. Yeah. Yes. Like more likable Tony to your Tony comp from yeah, before. I think so. Yeah. And also a real team player. I was really impressed with him in the... um Applebee's challenge I thought like he didn't give up he was encouraging he sacrificed his body he was just like trying to be strategic I, I don't know he's he seems like a, like a like a good dude I just like when you say Applebee's <laughs> <laughs> I I was just so offended but also like completely amused by the product placement but I like it fewer commercials more product integration I'm fine with it whatever it's the bet. This is the easiest product placement ever. I'm surprised yeah. they don't do it more for restaurants and, and food, yeah. fast food and whatever. Because it's like, you know how you get people going nuts for your food? Starve them for two weeks beforehand and then tell them they're getting it. For real. It's a great... I, I considered like Applebee's gross. I've never had it. But like for some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, that seems gross. But now I'm like, oh, maybe it's good. They're, they seem it's, to love it. It looks really good. I think they really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> we know Jonathan liked it. I think he ate about three or four burgers. Okay. So the last superlative is who will be the next person voted out? Mm. Tori. I'm going to go with it. Mm. It's got to be coming. Yeah. I'm going to go with Chanel. I'm going to go with... Here's the thing. I think that Tori and Chanel are so far on the bottom that they might end up in a place where it's like, is it even worth getting this person yeah. out? We can get them out at any time. Better yet, if you can sit next to them at the end, they're never going to win. So I think it could be somebody else. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with High. Because he doesn't have any of the actual hardware. I was almost going to say like Drea, but I was like, no, she's got an idol. If she sniffs something mm-hmm. out. Uh, she'll figure it out. I think she's that's a really good guess. Yeah. But I'm always... Here's the thing. 
We are always wrong about this. We are basically <laughs> never right about who goes home. So congrats, I, I Ty, you're safe next week. <laughs> I'm sticking with Tori because I think this group is wants likes the idea of sticking together more than like some of the casts we've seen in the last few years. Like I feel like the, again, the kind of that old school vibe of think that they like that they like each other and they'd rather preserve that as long as possible versus like some of these casts that's just so, you know, cutthroat. I yeah, I was I was surprised to see High going after Chanel so much this week. So I actually could maybe Riley, you're right. We're like maybe it almost comes down to like a High or Chanel, and they keep Chanel because High is like playing too hard or something like that. But I was actually really surprised by that moment. I hope you two are right, and it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, I think that is all we've got today. Kim, thank you so much for coming on. So fun. Seriously, thank y'all for having me. It's a blast. Juliet, thank you as always. I'm thrilled to be here. Hopefully Tyson will be back next week. Who's to say? Surely. As soon as we can get in touch with them, we will see. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.